left the stage. Don't stop your worship. Come on, you don't have the right to remain silent. God has been too good to you. God has been too gracious towards you. Come on, come on. This is your moment right now. Take, make it personal. Worship is love expressed. Worship is personal. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. Come on, 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 come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your moment, it's your moment, here's your moment, here's your moment, here's your moment. Here's your moment. Come on. Yeah. He's worthy of the praise, he's worthy of the worship. Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome to the Hopewell Experience. Hopewell Anywhere, Hope at Home. We're so glad that you have invited us into your sacred space, that you have invited us into your personal space. We don't take it lightly because there are so many other streams, Facebook Lives, that you could be a part of right now, but we're so glad that on this Sunday morning that you have invited us into your home, into your space. We don't take it for granted at all. We don't take it for granted at all. We just thank God uh, for you once again. As I say this every week, I'm so appreciative um, to our media team and our worship team. Amen. Our music ministry, they have been kicking it with me all the way. Amen. And I thank God for them because there would not be no, there would not be any Hopewell experience. Amen. Without them. Imagine if I have to preach and sing. Oh man, we would be, we would be in trouble. They, 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 they you know, they, 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 they pushing me on, but I can't do it just yet. I'm working on it. When we come back in the building, I got something special for you. Hello. I got something for you. Amen. In the making for you when we get back into um, the building. Amen. Amen. Um, listen, Sister Ross is going to be here until 1130 today for you to be able to pick up your redeemed t-shirt. So make sure if you have not, uh, I know you haven't gotten here, so make sure you throw on something real quick. Just drive up underneath the canopy, let your window down, show her your face, let your window down, and she'll throw you your shirt right in there to you. Amen. She'll be right there at the main entrance for you to be able to get your shirt. If you didn't purchase one, we have a limited supply uh, with, uh, you know, a limited uh, sizes as well. So make sure you ask her about that, and she can be able to get that to you. If you have your Bibles, journey with me. I'm so excited about this word this morning. Um, journey with me to John chapter 11. We're in part two of our new of our current series entitled Life. Life. That's it. Life. 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 Life can be something else. Hey, Amen. That's where we're at th this morning. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want to read for you 17 through 22. John 11, 17 through 22. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus, had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles away down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. Verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. I want you to highlight that. We're going to come back to that. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Whatever you ask. God will give you whatever you ask. Pray with me this morning. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you, God. We magnify you, Lord God. You are good all the time and your mercy endureth forever father god we have so much to give you praise for we have so much to give you glory for god we have so much to thank you for god because you have been mighty mighty good to us lord god and we thank you for that today lord god so we pray that you will open up our hearts open up our minds open up our ears oh god so that we can be able to receive your word today god we want the fullness of your word and we are ready our feet are prepared to walk in total obedience to whatever the word of God is calling us to do Lord God whatever you ask of us whatever you're whatever you're commanding of us oh God we will initiate that Lord God by letting you know up front before we even hear the entire word that you have our complete obedience to do whatever it is you're calling us to do and it's in Jesus name we pray and we all said amen amen and amen I want to talk to you this morning from the subject I'm feeling some type of way I'm feeling some type of way. It was St. Augustine that said these profound words. He said, our deepest emotions often function like smoke from a fire. They can, in, they can indicate what is going wrong in our hearts before we can articulate it. Let me read it again. Our deepest emotion often functions like smoke from a fire. They can indicate what is going wrong in our hearts before we can even articulate it. If you journey with us two weeks ago, we started this new series entitled Life, and we, we are taking our time. We're taking our time. We're taking our time to be able to investigate the life of Lazarus. There is so much packed within this story that it's impossible to be able to preach it um, in the whole entire day. And just one day, you have to break it down because there's so many practical lessons, so many things that we'll miss if we rush through it. And so we're taking our time to look at the life of Lazarus. We've, we've heard this preached before. We've heard, heard this talk before in Sunday school, one or two, um, as you were growing up, and we rush right unto, we rush right to the resurrection when Jesus brings Lazarus back, but we can't rush to the resurrection so quick because there are so much, there is so much, <clears throat> the story is packed with so much for us to be able to learn from when we look at the compassion of Jesus, when we look at the love of Jesus, but when we even look at the humanity of the individuals within our story, just kind of give you a backdrop. I told you this two weeks ago, but it's good to tell you again because it's real vital to the story. We know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are not just some people that Jesus known. These were individuals that whenever Jesus was doing a ministry in the vicinity of Bethany, he he would stay at their house. They were Jesus' homegirls and homeboy. They were people that Jesus did life with and built community with. Jesus would text Mary and Martha and say, hey, I'm on my way. I'm about to do a revival near Bethany. And they already knew to get the chicken ready, get the greens ready, get the cornbread ready, get the red Kool-Aid ready, get the peach cobbler ready. Praise the Lord. That sounds real good. Hey, man. They knew what Jesus like. He would get there. It was a place of comfort for Jesus, even though he would go out and do ministry and heal 
and deliver and set free. Jesus could be there at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and just be himself. We all have those type of friends. We all have two different types of friends. We have the group of friends that we know we have to be professional with. We know that we have to dot every I and cross every T. But we also got some friends that we can be able to let our hair down. They're, 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 they're our safe place that we can be who we are. They're not going to judge us. I mean, if we don't say a word in the right context, they're not going to trip on us. They'll laugh right with us that we can really be who we are. This is what Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was to Jesus. They were not just ordinary people. They were not just groupies that followed behind him. Jesus loved them, and they loved Jesus. And so, man, the sisters sent word to Jesus to let them know Jesus, the one that you love, is dead. And Jesus, right there, he says, okay, 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 okay. I know I, I get word. My boy Lazarus is gone. I'm going to get there as soon as I can. But the Bible says that he stayed where he was an additional Two days. Man, that bothers me because I told you that when they got word, when they sent word to Jesus that their boy, that their brother Lazarus was dead, they said, Jesus, the one that you love is gone. And they just knew that Jesus was going to come immediately. Why? This was our friend. This was someone that we loved and loved up. This is someone that we spent, we spent a lot of time with. We spent the holidays with them. I mean, we spent special occasions together. So we just know that when Jesus hears this word about Lazarus being gone, that he is going to show up right on time and be here with us. But he stayed two days. Now you got to remind you, he was only, I believe, my, if, if my mind serves me correctly, he was only two miles away <laughs> from where you were, from where they were. But he stayed where he was an additional two days. What do you do when you have a relationship with Jesus and life comes at you with a hurricane, with a tornado, and turn your life upside down, but he takes his time in getting to you. You spend time with them. You've been in your world. You've been worshiping them. You've been giving your money. You've been tithing. You've been living right. You've been doing everything that you're supposed to do. You talk with him on a regular basis. He knows your voice and you know his voice. And when trouble comes your way and you don't run to anybody else, you go to the one that you know is able. Get this, you all. All Jesus had to do was speak a word from where he was and Lazarus could have been healed. He could have been raised from the dead, but he stayed where he was two extra days. What do you do when Jesus moved? on his time and not yours how, how do you how, how do you feel about him can you still praise him can you can you still worship him when life gets crazy and he doesn't show up in fact in fact in other words life gets so crazy that before he even comes or when he comes it's gotten worse before he can before it can even get better how do you still worship a savior that you know is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask think or wish but he stays where he is two miles away y'all an additional two days. Jesus finally makes up in his mind, okay, hey, let me go ahead and get on over here and check in on Lazarus to see what's going on and check in on my girls, on Mary and Martha. But we pick up the story here at verse 17. It says that when Jesus gets there to Bethany, he's told, get this, that Lazarus is already dead and he's been dead now for four days. Doing In the context of the story, they lived, they, they were around, they were in the vicinity of Palestine. And during this time, when someone died because of the heat there in Palestine and, and, and what could happen, 
happen to the body as the body will begin to decompose. You have to be buried immediately. So now, they, all this has happened. Four days has gone by. Jesus still hasn't showed up. And then when Jesus finally gets there, he's already dead. My grandfather would say he's dead and buried already. And Jesus is now showing up on the scene. The right. Bible says that many people have come to console Mary. That was, the, that, was the, that was the culture at the time. We do it still today that when someone we know of has lost a loved one, we come around to be able to console. We come right, around right. to be able to help them in their time of grief. We, we come around, maybe bring some food, maybe give a car and have a little change in it. We come and just sit with them. If they cry, we'll cry with them. If they laugh about a past story, we'll laugh with them. Or we just sit there in silence with them. All this came when Jesus did not come in order to be able to console them and to walk with them during this most troubling time in their life. This story points to us something um, that we try to miss or try to go around or try to finagle our way through, something called grief. Grief is not just the loss of a loved one or a friend. Please, please, ma'am, please, sir, please understand that we cannot limit grief to just a loss of a physical individual in our life that may have gone on to be with the Lord. But grief extends to the fact that it's not just that. It's any type of separation that has impacted your life in the great way. If you have been on a job faithful, you've gone in sick, you've never missed a day of work, you've been there on time, you didn't lie on your timesheet about how long your lunch break was, if you got 45 minutes, you did 43 minutes and gave back two minutes. You did what you were supposed to do, but all of a sudden, you get out, all of a sudden, your place is taken by a machine. Even though you've been faithful, even though you've been loyal, now they're telling you that your time is up. Thank you for your years of service to our company. What do you do? But a relationship that you thought was just great, a relationship that you was excited for, in fact, a relationship that you prayed to God for, and when it came on the scene, you knew that it was an answer to prayer, but all of a sudden, the relationship goes downhill. What do you do that a person that you have given your life to, that you have pledged your loyalty to for years, and all of a sudden ends in divorce? You did not have that in your mind as you walked down the aisle and said to death do us part. You had no idea that it would one day end in divorce. Grief is not just limited to losing a loved one, but it's any separation that has impacted your life in the great way. We're living, we're living right now. We're living right now in a pandemic that we've been in for a few months and there are people that have lost loved ones. There are people that they had a loved one go into the hospital and because of the processes and the procedures, they could not go in there and visit them. There are people that have died in hospitals by themselves. There are individuals that there have been no services for. There have been no, 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 no funerals for. The, the people, the other family members have no way of having closure to this loss in their life. What do you do when this happens? I'll tell you what you do. You grieve. You grieve. 
And let me go ahead and help you real quick. I know, I know, you may have lost your job 10 years ago, but there may be something that may come up in the memory. There may be something that may come up and cause you to go back down memory lane. And you have a moment, you have a human moment, and you may be, you may be feeling some type of way. And let me, let me encourage you to let you know that it is okay for you to have a human moment. It is okay right, for you to have a bad day. It is okay for you to have a bad moment. Don't live there. Don't build a house there. Don't play flowers there but it's okay for you to have a bad day and a bad moment in your life the worst thing that you can do is to, is to bundle up your grief and never allow it and never allow it to be able to breathe never allow it to come up never allow yourself to be able to vent and to deal with what's going on on the inside of your heart don't you let nobody tell you, oh, you still grieving, you still crying about that. No, 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 no. The relationship, whatever it is, the, the, the separation, whatever it is, it did, it did not impact you the way that it impacted me. So let me have my moment and leave me alone. Jesus finally gets to the house. Y'all look at the Bible. Jesus finally gets to the house. People are there consoling him. When Martha got a word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I know I've heard this preach so many times. People have dogged Mary out. I mean, they lifted Martha up. Oh, my gosh, look at Martha. Oh, she's such a great woman of faith. She's a daughter of faith. Oh, she's a mighty woman of God. Look at Mary. Oh, she's doubtful. Oh, she's got issues. Oh, my gosh, Mary needs to be on the altar and get delivered. Can I just tell you something real quick? There is nothing wrong with Mary in this story. Mary is just having a moment in her life because get this, get this, you all. Let's paint the picture and go back a little and go back a little farther and realize something. She called on someone that she knew that could be able to save her brother's life. She called on someone that she had a relationship with. She called on someone that she did life with and they did not show up when she needed them to show up. When he shows up on the scene, what she was believing him to do has lost his dad now. So she's feeling some type of way. Because when she called on Jesus, he took his time in coming. When she called on Jesus, he, he, he stayed two extra days where he was and did not come right away to her aid. Let me say this to you. It's going to be on the screens in just a moment. Don't be so quick to stand strong like Martha when you're in pain like Mary. Don't be so quick to think that you have to stand tall and, and let everybody know that you're doing okay. You don't have to paint a you don't have to paint a picture on your face to make it seem as if everything is okay. If you are hurting, it's okay to be hurting. If you are in pain, it's okay to be in pain. Because the truth of the matter is this: every now and then, if it if it has not happened to you yet, you keep on living, and life will serve you a plate of something that you are not going to like. Life is. Going going to deal you a hand in life that's going to bring some pain. What do you do when the one that loves you offers you pain? What do you do when the one that you have called on to step in and to fix your problem gives you pain as a resolution to your issues? It is okay for you to be married in a moment in your life. It's okay for you to retreat to somewhere safe. Come on. Yes. Find a place of comfort. Because of what's going on in your life. Because I like this. I like this. I like, I like, I like the level of the relationship 
that Mary and Martha had with Jesus. And I like Jesus' response to Mary and Martha because understand this sense of God. Never do we see, never do we see within the text of the scriptures that Jesus checks them because of their reaction. <laughs> Never do we see Jesus check Martha when she came to him. Right there, right there, right there, right there in verse 20. Uh, and right there in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hold on a second. Not every, not any and everybody can talk to me in that tone of voice. Not any and everybody can run up on me and tell me this is your fault. If you had came when I prayed, if you had came when I cried, if you had came when I called on you, this would not have happened. This is your fault. Notice Jesus' response. He don't check her and say, who do you think you are? He don't, he don't check her and say, woman, whoa, 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 calm yourself down. He does not check Mary when Martha runs out there to be able to meet him, but Mary stays in the house. Jesus is not intimidated by your humanity. Jesus is not intimidated by you having a bad day. Jesus is not intimidated by you having a bad moment. I love this right here. I love it because as Martha is talking to Jesus, it shows us the level of their relationship. Pastor, I don't get what you're saying because she's going off on Jesus. She went off on him big time. She just blew up. But get this. She was able to do that because there was a level to their relationship where she knew where she stood with Jesus and Jesus knew where he stood with her. He knew, he knew, he knew deep down in her soul that she was still going to believe. He knew that deep down in her soul that she was still going to have faith. She knew that deep down in her soul that she still loved him because get this, even though she was upset, she still ran out there to meet him. And I'm talking to somebody this morning that even though life has dealt you a bad hand in life, you still show up to worship. I know we're online, but you still participate and your hands still go up. You're still praying to God. You're still worshiping God. You're still praising God. You're still acknowledging him in all your ways because despite what life has brought to you, despite the, dealt, the hand that you've been dealt, you still recognize that God is yet still in control and he still sits on the throne. That in fact that he sits and he still looks low. Thank you, God. It was a level to their relationship. I love it because when David, when David had moments in his life, I love Psalms 13 because David, I'm paraphrasing, it's something there's some things going on, and David begins to ask the Lord, How long, God? <laughs> Read that when you get a chance. He said, God, how long? 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 Have you ever had a moment when you begin to ask yeah. God questions and say, Lord, what's going on? God, what's up? Yeah. I thought we were better than this. I thought we were tighter than this. God, what's going on? I've been praying. I've been calling on you, but stuff is getting worse before yeah. it gets better. Yeah. I thought me and you was here, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Martha says, in other words, my brother's death is blood on your hands. This is your fault, Jesus. This is your fault. This was your boy. You loved him. And you let him die. Level to their relationship where she could be able to talk to him in that way. Not being disrespectful, but simply being human because what life has presented to her. Oh my gosh, can I tell you something? Can I tell you what God loves? 
Can I tell you what Jesus loves? Jesus loves when you pray raw. Jesus loves it when you pray raw to him. I know, I know you was taught in Sunday school, get down on your knees, put your hands together, and just say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, I get the hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I understand that, but you know what? That's cool, that's cute, that's real nice. Amen, praise the Lord, baby. That's real cute and nice when you're a kid, but as you begin to grow and matriculate in this thing called life, and life begins to hit you, hey, you may not be able to get down on your knees. You may not be able to make it to the house of God. You may be in the shower and say, God, what's up? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening, God? I thought we was better than this. I thought we were cool. I've been talking to you, but things are getting worse. I've been praying to you. I've been tired, but my account just went negative. God, I believed you. I stood in faith, but now my house is in foreclosure. He loves it when we come to him as we are and tell him what's going on. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need to mask ourselves as we're praying to God when he already knows what's going on on the inside. So why not pray raw? Why not pray raw? Because when David prayed, when David began to talk to God, it was as if he's talking like I'm talking to you right now. He was doing it at the base of their relationship. He had the foundation of their relationship. And because he was tight with God, and he knew where he stood with God, and he knew where God stood with him, he was able to ask God, God, how long? 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 If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Don't rush to stand strong like Martha when you're feeling weak like Mary. What Mary does, truth be told, is something that you and I do all the time. When life is going to be on screens in a moment, when life deals us a bad hand, we retreat to where it's safe. When life gets real scary, when life gets real spooky, when the boogeyman comes out the closet for real and just scares the living hell out of us, all that good stuff, when that happens, when that happens, we retreat to somewhere where it's safe and it's comforting. Why? Truth be told, we don't like pain. And we don't like being uncomfortable. And so whenever we are faced with pain or faced with being, okay, maybe let me take it back. I don't like pain. I don't like being comfortable. I don't want nobody to go out there and say, Pastor, talking about we don't like pain. I'll talk for myself. I don't like pain. I don't like discomfort. And so when I'm presented with that, I will retreat to some place that's a comfort zone, that's a safe place, a default. Right. Place of shelter in the time of storm. And the truth of the matter is, there's nothing wrong with us retreating to a place of safety. But the question becomes, what's your retreat or where's your retreat? All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, don't, you, don't you turn it. This, this is the word for you. Don't you turn this. You stay right there with me. The issue is not about you retreating when you get dealt a bad hand in life. The question becomes, what do you retreat to or who do you retreat to? I know. I know. You still got the number in the phone. I know you do. I know you do. And when trouble, when life gets crazy, all you want to do is just text real quick and see if they respond. God, if it be your will, they're not going to respond. Back. No, it's not the will of God for you to even text them. Yeah, not to be a will. Come on. Teach us. 
What do you retreat to? Man, let me just let me just take a few shots. I'll be good. I can be able to get my bounce back. I can be able to, I can be able to get my be able to get my groove back. Let me go down. Let me go down to the dispensary real quick and just get me a few puffs. I can be good. I'll be straight. I get my bounce back. I get back in the game. What do you retreat to? Who do you retreat to? When life gets crazy. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I know. I know. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine in Mary's mind what's going on in here, going on in her emotions right now. I can't imagine what's going on in her heart right now. I've watched my brother. We don't know what he died of. We don't know how long he had been dead. But she watched her brother go and turn his eye and, and, and close his eyes on this side. And she waited and she prayed and she waited and she prayed for Jesus to come. And he comes four days after the fact. Her brother now is there in the King James, King James King James version says now he stinketh and now he's gone he's dead he stinks and now Jesus shows up I can't be like Martha I want to be strong like Martha I want to act like I got it all together but right now I'm feeling some type of way and she stays in the house it was a safe place for her at the moment. She stays to herself in a room that was that was a comfort zone right now I don't have to worry about nobody coming into my space bothering me right now Stay where it was safe. But I, again, I ask you the question, what do you retreat to? Who do you retreat to? Because the issue is not retreating. The issue, oh God, what is it in that moment in time of pain and discomfort has become your God instead of the big God? What is it? Who is it that's taking the place of big God? Because I don't want to go to him because I went to him before and he didn't come. (laughs) I called him before and he sent me the voicemail. So I'm going to call on someone that I know going to answer for. I know they've they've been waiting for me to call them anyway. I know they're going to answer. I'm going to go to something that I know, I know it's only going to be temporary. I know it's only going to last for a moment, but those few moments will allow me to escape reality. So I settle for temporary satisfaction rather than complete fulfillment from the Savior. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with retreating, but who or what are you retreating to? I like this. They were saying in the house, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I love it because now we see Martha, she's, She's walking in faith mixed with discouragement. <laughs> we, we done been there. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on in the house. Come on. Let me in. Let me open the door. Let me in real quick. We, we all have been there where we have walked in faith and despair on the rocks mixed together. We have been there. We've been there. We've been there before that we have walked, we have walked this thing called life and we've had a little bit of faith. And we had a tad bit of discouragement as well. Yes, 
She just went off. She just told Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary is still in the house. But she ends verse 22. I like this right here. I like this. She says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I love it because she does not even realize what Jesus is about to do. Right. She don't even realize what's about to pop off in her life right now. She has no idea about how the Savior is about to make a major move in her life. She has no idea how Jesus is about to change her whole entire life. In other words, she said, I don't know what you can do now, but I know you're up to something. I know that you can do something, and I'm so grateful this morning to know that where, that where there's despair, hope will find a home. Where there's discouragement, hope will make its way in there, knock on the door, come on in and take a seat. And it's just like Jesus, when we're down to our last, when life gets so crazy and the storm is raging real bad and real loud, that a hope will come in and send a text message. Hope will come in and knock on the door. Hope will come in in the mailbox. That Jesus will do something to give us a little bit more of hope to hold on until he does what we know that only he has the power to be able to do. And somebody can be able to touch about this morning. Pastor, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was down to my last and guess what? I checked my account and I was stimulated, praise the Lord. That stimulus check came on through. Oh, Pastor, I was down to my last in the refrigerator and then there was some groceries left on my door pastor I thought all hope was gone with my marriage but then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came in the room and we prayed together and now we're back on the right track where there is despair where there is hope where there is no hope hope will find a home to come in thank you Lord thank you God she is it right there a little bit of faith, a little bit of discouragement. I know you're up to something. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know what you're going to do. But I know, I know you're going to do something. Let me tell you, I know we have to walk this thing called life real intentional because we, we can't base everything off of our emotions. But we can't neglect our emotions either. Pastor, how, 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 how? Pastor, wrap this up. I want to tune another church. Don't you wait. Don't you go. That, that church starts at 11. You stay right here. Amen. We got time. Stay right here. Ignoring your emotions is like neglecting your check engine light. All right. It'll cost you a lot more later on. We gotta walk this tightrope. We got we gotta be mindful. We gotta be we gotta be balanced. We cannot be we can't be led by our emotions, but we can't neglect our emotions. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you. You have to. You, every time every time that check engine light comes on comes on your dashboard or whatever. I don't know about you all, but I get nervous when it comes on. I get nervous because when that check engine light to me dollar signs go off. I just know that something is wrong. That's going. Okay, maybe I'm not. Don't leave me out here by myself. Do not leave me here by myself. I get nervous when my check engine light goes off because I'm automatically thinking that there's going to be something that is going to cost a lot of money and what I will do is I will go I will go to AutoZone and say hey I don't want you to check nothing I want you to turn that check engine light off amen right now don't ask no questions don't investigate nothing don't test nothing turn the check engine light off and I will handle whatever it is later on I'm waiting on somebody to come in let that stay just how it is amen mind your own business and do what I'm asking you 
you to do. Turn it off, and then the next thing you know, you go one or two days later, the light comes back on, the light will come back on, the light will come back on, and you keep getting it turned off, and what would have been a minor thing, you kept ignoring, and you kept pushing off to the side, and now when you're at a place that is right there looking at you in your face, and you can't do nothing else but to solve it, it will cost you more now than it would have. If you had paid attention in the beginning, I told you what St. Augustine said. He said, our deepest emotion often functions like smoke from a fire. They can indicate what's going wrong in our hearts before we can even articulate it. Your check engine light is letting you know something's wrong. Something's wrong. It may not be real major, but something is wrong. And you need to get it checked out. And get this, you need to get it checked out by a professional, not some joker in the alley that's going to give you. Okay, okay, okay. You ain't never did that before. Keep on living. Amen. You'll do it. You'll find your way. You'll find your way. You give somebody, hey, I'm going to give you a bottle of vodka. Okay, you ain't never did that. Okay, I'll give you this and you take care of my car. It will cost you more. Later on, that check engine light is warning you. It's alarming you and saying something's wrong. I need to get your attention. It may flash to let you know. I need you to pay attention to this right now. Your emotions, your check engine light of your heart. And it's letting you know something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I need you to take this to Jesus and the counselor. I need you to pray to Jesus and I need you to see a counselor to help you to navigate through your grief, to help you to walk through your emotions, to to help you to ask you some tough questions so that you can be able to make sense of what's going on in your life. Do you know how many people that are adults and they're still impacted by their childhood? Do you know how many people in their adulthood has ruined relationships in their family because they have allowed baggage from their childhood that they never dealt with? Enter into their adulthood, enter into their adult relationships, and they repeated the same patterns? Your emotions is letting you know something is going on. And I need you to get it checked. I know people say, oh, 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 Pastor Swims, you're not preaching faith because all you need to do is have a little talk with Jesus and he'll make it all right. And you're absolutely right. Jesus will. Yes, he will. You have a talk with him. But there's nothing wrong with you seeing a counselor or a therapist either. I know that's a stigma within our race as African-American people, but let me tell you, let me tell you, there is nothing wrong with you doing that. That, 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 that would be like me saying, hey, if you have a headache, don't you dare take some Tylenol. Mm-hmm. What? When I have a toothache, when my allergies bothering me, oh, this problem is off the chain down here in Southern Illinois. You better believe I'm popping not one but two Benadryls, baby. Okay. <laughs> two of them. Both of them, I'm popping them. 
Am I wrong for doing that and not having faith that God can heal me of my allergies? I know that he can be able to do it, but he can also heal through medicine. Right. So release yourself if you realize, oh, my gosh, I know, I know I've been grown. I've been on my own for a long time, but I'm realizing I, and I'm seeing some repeated patterns in my life that I saw in my mama, that I saw in my daddy, that I saw in big mama, that I saw in granddaddy. Don't you? You make up in your mind that that stuff stops with you today. Right. And that I'm not going to allow another generation to be impacted. Something that I never dealt with. They, they're not going. No, 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 no. That's unfair for them. To, that's unfair for them to have some to, to have some baggage on the trip that they never even went on. God, say, Pastor, I, I feel you. Because truth be told, I, I, I've been feeling some type of way. I'm in the house. I can't. I can't go nowhere. I can't be around nobody. I've had some major stuff kick off in my life and my homeboys, my homegirls would normally come over, but I can't have nobody over because of the pandemic. I don't know what to do. Maybe nervous to go to the doctor because they may think you have the virus. But let me tell you, there is a doctor that's not social distancing. Thank you, God. There is a doctor that even in the pandemic still makes house calls. Yes, There's a savior that will meet you right where you are. Thank you, God. Whether you're in your home, whether you're in your bed, I don't know, I don't know where you may be. But he wants you to retreat to him. Don't, don't, don't text or call nobody else. Put the bottle down. Put the weed down. Retreat to him. Come to him. Come to him. I want to pray for you this morning. Because there may, may be some level of grief that you're experiencing right now. It may be the loss of a loved one. I told you this, this whole pandemic is just changing the whole way that we do life. You, you can no longer, some, some places you can no longer go and pay your respects. You don't have that closure. Maybe you that you've lost your job, you were faithful, you were a lawyer, you were there. You gave it a thousand percent. Maybe a relationship, a friendship that you thought was just strong. I mean, y'all was eight spoon coons, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's over. Let me encourage you to bring your troubles to God. He's, he's, not, he's, he's, he's not overwhelmed by your burdens. He's not, he's not overwhelmed by your life's experiences. I want to free you and let you know that it's okay not to be okay. Two Saturdays ago, I was just having a bad day. Having a bad day. I'm upset. I can't go nowhere. Gas prices are real good. Can't go nowhere. I'm missing corporate worship. I'm missing hearing the sound of praise from the pew. Tired of preaching to empty pews. 
had to cancel everything we had planned for the summer. I want to be around family. I want to be around friends. And I'm just writing out my thoughts to God because I'm upset. I, I, I got so mad I just went and took a nap because I had an attitude. And I told myself once I got up from my nap, swims, it's all right to have a bad day. It's all right to have a bad moment. Does not mean that you don't trust God. Does it mean that you don't love God? It just simply means you're human. And God understands my humanity. And he's not scared of it. He's not afraid of my questions. Now, it's not meant for me to live there in that bad day, in that bad moment. But it's all right to have one. Because I'm human. And then free, I freed myself. <laughs> free, laid hands on myself, freed myself. From that moment on, help me put things in a better perspective in life. I didn't want to be home and be grouchy with the girls or with Sister Swims. But I wanted to be home and have fun with them, make memories. Carrie and Kenny, 4 and 1, they're not going to remember this, but they will remember the time they had with Mama and Daddy. It's all right to have a bad moment. It's okay to cry. When, when's the last time you released yourself in tears? When's the last time that you didn't, you didn't try to hold it back? You didn't, try to, you didn't try to retreat to somewhere else so no one else could see you being vulnerable? When's the last time you cried? There's something freeing. Let me talk to my brothers. There's something freeing about crying. Doesn't mean you're not a man because you cry. It just simply means that you're human. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's watching this right now. God, I pray, I pray, I pray. Life, life has just dealt them a bad hand. Life has just been crazy. Life has been off the chain. Life has been a tornado. Life has been a hurricane. It's been all over the place, God. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that they will pay attention to the warnings, to the alarms that's going off on the inside, God, to... Help them bring their awareness that there is something wrong that they need to check out. Don't let them keep putting it off, Lord God. Don't let them keep walking around in rage and anger, God. Help them to call, to call on you. Help them to pray to you, God. Help them, Lord God, to reach out to someone. Lord God, put them on somebody's mind. They will reach out to them. They can be able to FaceTime them. They can have a Zoom set up with them, Lord, to help them during this time, during this moment. God, help them to navigate through their emotions. Help them to be able to articulate what's going on on the inside, God. And lastly, Lord, help them to be whole. Help them to be whole. Help them to be whole, God. From the inside out, help them to be whole. From the inside out. And we ask it now in the precious name of Jesus. And we say amen and amen.